Wow. So good to be together. Yeah. Thank you, Monica. You're strong and beautiful, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good to have all of you here with us tonight. I got a little teary-eyed watching, actually a lot teary-eyed, watching that video, um, and I've seen it before, uh, but um, I don't know, just having you here and watching it with you and just remembering, and I know that some of you even here, you saw yourself in those pictures because you've been a part of what God has been doing. And so, you know, just thinking that we've been doing this for 10 years is just... Um, it's just very humbling to think that God has been doing that. And, and, I, and I'm humbled by the whole thing. I just, um, I don't know, God's just good. He's just so good. And I, 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 as many words as I often have, because you know I'm a woman of many words. And hopefully not too many tonight, but we've got a lot to cover. But, you know, I, I just can't find enough words to talk about the goodness of God. And what he has done. There's just so much that's been in my heart this year as we, um, as we have prepared. And, and to get to this place, it's just good. So I'm glad that you're here and to be a part of that. I'm glad that I get to be a part of that. It's good for me just to look out and see you with your Bibles open. And your, and your, your eyes are ready. You're expecting to hear from God. Because I know that God has a strong word for us uh, this week as we're coming together. I do want to say thank you to Katie. I mean, are they not awesome? worship team. I mean, I could just stand and worship with them all night. I love Katie. And if you get a chance to know her this week, uh, just such a genuine heart for Jesus. Some of you may have seen on, on some social media how we've been praying at the fountains on Friday morning. And I've had the privilege of just walking those fountains in City Center and praying with Katie and hearing her heart and her praying over you. You know, she sings, but she is a woman of God, so gifted. And, and the girls, aren't they fun? Monica and Elena and uh, Vanessa, just so thankful to have them and be a part. I love those girls. And I just feel like we're, we're going to enjoy them this week too. And there's so many servants all over the building tonight that are serving you, even in the parking lot. Let's give it up for the people that drove you over here. Yeah. So uh, just thankful for all those people. And you know, as we think about these 10 years, I know that God has used so many servants down through the years. And um, many have poured out their resources and their time and, and just everything that they have to make these events happen. So I'm, I'm just grateful and even speaking from the, for the Lord because this is his ministry. I know that he appreciates the work that you've done if you've been a part of that. You know. When we hosted our first ever women's vacation Bible school, as we used to call it in the day, uh, we brought everyone together. We didn't know what we were doing. We called it the Christian Women's Boot Camp. Uh, was anybody there? Anybody? Say, whoo, I can't see you very well. Okay, yeah, a handful of you there. Yeah, you know what, you had to be there to experience that whole camouflage and pink. That's the only time in my life I've ever worn camouflage. We even took up the offering in these pink boots. Do you see them sitting by that thing? And I had like this big barrel for a podium. I don't know what we were thinking, but God began something. You know, we didn't know what we were doing, and we didn't know what God was beginning then. I was just a woman who had a call in my life to come alongside women and encourage them to love the Word of God. Because you know what? Some women had done that for me. Some women had done that for me. Back in 1994, when I was just 29 years old, I was living in Alabama, I was a mess. And God put two women in my life who came alongside me. Aren't we glad that God puts people in our lives to cheer us on in our faith? You know, look, look around you. Look to the woman that's on your right right now. Just look at her. Just stare at her for a minute. 
Now, look to the other direction. Look at the woman on your left. Now turn around and look at the people behind you, okay? And then look at the ones in front of you, and you on the front row can look at me, and I'm, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at you too. You know what? Every one of those women need you to rally them to walk in the truth. Every one of them do. I need you to do that. And see, every time you looked at somebody, somebody was looking at you as well. Because they need you to do it, but you need them to do it. We all need to be rallying one another in the truth of God's word. And that's why we as a ministry have come together and have been hosting these rally parties for the last 10 years. To really bring us together and say, God, we want to walk in your truth. Let's, let's do it together. Help us to do this together. And you know what, as we approach this year, I began asking the Lord way last fall. And I said, Lord, what do you have? for us this year? What do you have for us this year? And he brought me back to a word that's been a part of what we've been doing from the very beginning. It's part of our name and it is the word established. See, it started with that Christian women's boot camp. And for the last nine years, like Vanessa said, we've been doing these events, but a lot of different things, rally parties, if you want to call them that, trying to rally people into loving God's word. And I believe following up on all of that, the Lord wants to bring us back to that word established and ask us a question. Really a question that is begging to be asked now that we've been doing this this long. And the question is this, are you really a woman whose footsteps are established in the truth? Because see, God's word clearly says that in Psalm 119. It says, establish my footsteps in your word so sin won't have power over me. David wrote that, and that was in his heart. God used him to write that in Psalm 119. It was in his heart. He wanted to have his footsteps established in truth. I've been praying into that verse for years. I want to be a woman like that. And I believe if you're here tonight, you, you want that too. That's probably the reason that you came. But how do we know if we really are doing that? What does that really look like? You know, it's a hard question to answer because it really is talking about every single step that you're taking. The steps that people see and the steps that nobody sees but you and God. Are they established in the truth? It's a hard question to answer, but God's going to help us answer it this week. This week, I believe he's given us three words that he's going to zoom in on throughout our time together to describe the woman whose footsteps are established in truth. Now, there's a lot of words that could describe that. But the ones he's given us this week are the words bold, filled, and marked. You've seen them on those awesome shirts, right? Bold, filled, and marked. And each night of the study, we're going to look at one of those words. And we're going to answer that question. And we're going to do it all against the backdrop of Psalm 119. And over the course of the nights, like the girls told you, we're going to get to hear some or all of Psalm 119 uh, quoted, different parts of it by different people. So let's listen to another section. 17 through 24. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You, rebu you rebuke the proud, the cursed who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. 
Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Yeah. Oh, Lord, tonight we do pray, God, that you would open up our eyes, that we might behold wonderful things from your word. God, we are a stranger in this earth, Lord. Our eyes are set on heaven. God, would you take away the reproach and the contempt that we feel sometimes, Lord, as we meditate on your word. God, would you remove the things this week that are troubling us, Lord, as we meditate on your statutes, Lord, as you open our eyes. God, this week, would your word become both our counsel and our delight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to zoom in tonight, ladies, on the word bold, the word bold. So would you describe yourself as a bold woman? Would you? Describe yourself as a bold woman. Let me help you think about that by sharing uh, a few synonyms for bold. How about brave and daring, confident and courageous? What about unflinching and unshaken? How about this one? Have you ever heard this word bombastic? Have you ever heard that word? That means bold. Bombastic. I love that word. So, are you? Are you bold? Are you bombastic? Or would the opposite be more true of you? Are you timid and flinching and fearful and cowardly and shaken easily? You know, I'm sure we're probably all thinking through some different scenarios and going, hmm, am I a bold girl or what kind of girl am I? You know, if you're like most women, you're probably bold in some areas and probably timid in some others. For me, I can get up in front of people and talk. That doesn't bother me. But do you know that sometimes I can get so nervous about making the silliest phone call? I mean, it, it's tim I'm timid about it, and it doesn't even make any sense. And that's crazy how our personalities are that way sometimes. But you know what? Let's just zoom past all those kind of dynamics, and let's just bring it to this, because this is what we're really, really talking about. See, tonight, I believe the Lord wants to describe the woman whose footsteps are established in truth as someone who is bold with this, God's word. She knows it. She's courageous with it. She's confident of it. She is unflinching when it comes to believing it, unshaken when it comes to walking in it. She is bombastically bold with the word of God. And God wants to ask you tonight, is that who you are. You know, in all transparency, I can tell you that there are some days that I am bold with God's word and some days that I'm not. There are some days that all of hell could not get me to move my feet off of what God has said. And there are some other days when all it takes is just this one little bit of falsehood and I am shaking in my shoes. And there's a lot of other days in between those two extremes. You know, I am not as bold as I want to be with the truth. But you know what? As I look back at last year, I'm much more bold this year than I was last year. And so I'm growing in my boldness. And I'm thankful for that. What about you? What about you? God wants you to answer that question tonight. 
He wants to have a conversation with you about that. As I was having a conversation with the Lord about that, he took me back to the first part of Genesis. If you've already opened your Bible to Psalm 119, hold your finger there because we're going to be setting everything against the backdrop of Psalm 119. But go with me also over to Genesis 2 and 3, right at the beginning of God's Word. You know, uh, over the years, I have spent so much time in these chapters. I feel like I'm so familiar with them. And it just blows my mind how God continues to show me new things. So even if you're very familiar with this, I believe God's got a word for you tonight from this part of Scripture. We're going to look at the conversation that takes place between Eve, the first woman that God created, and Satan, who in this uh, situation is in the form of a serpent. Now, as the conversation starts between uh, Eve and, and Satan, Satan is asking Eve a question. And he's asking her the question about something that God had already told Adam and Eve. He had clearly communicated to them. So we're going to look at that first, and then we're going to look at the conversation between Satan and Eve. See, God had created Adam and Eve, and he put them in this garden. It was a perfect setting, a perfect relationship between God and them. And God was walking in the garden amongst them. So I'm sure, you know, over however long it was until this first sin happened, I'm sure that there was lots of conversation between God and Adam and Eve. We just don't get to hear all of it. We do get to hear one of them, which is in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 2. And it says this. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. Now when God spoke this to them, we need to understand that it's a commandment to them. It's a statute of the Lord. If you read through Psalm 119 at all, as we've been kind of directing you to do on social media, um, before you came, you probably saw that God's word is called a lot of different things in that chapter. You've got ordinances and judgments and precepts and statutes and laws and commandments, all kinds of things. Now, all of these words represent something that God said, something that God was trying to communicate, expressing his heart. But each one of these is, is a different kind of of expression. So David calls them uh, different things. Right here, this is a commandment. And a commandment is a law. A statute is a boundary line. Here in the beginning of Genesis, God is giving a law. And when he gives that law, what happens is it creates a statute or a line. See, he says, don't eat from that tree. That's a commandment. And what that commandment does is it draws a line. And it says, Enjoy all these trees, but don't touch that one. Don't eat from that one. And you know what? God's words, what we need to understand, even the commandments that might look like rules to us, they are good for us. See, there were hundreds of trees for Adam and Eve to enjoy. There was one that they weren't supposed to touch. And that's why over and over again you will see David saying in Psalm 119, Wow, your commandments are such a delight to my soul. 
Because see, his eyes had been opened and he had seen how good the commandments of God really were for him. How they set him free to enjoy all that God wanted him to, but also protected him. We need to understand the commandments of the Lord are not binding rules. They are blessings to us that set us free to know how to live, to see what we can enjoy. Because in the same way, this word has all kinds of commandments in us, in it for us, but it also has hundreds of thousands of blessings. And we get to enjoy all of those because those commandments create that statue line for us. So here's this conversation, though, that begins with Satan and Eve after God gave this commandment that created this statute or this line. See, Satan slithered his slimy, wicked self right into Eve's world and began asking her a question about what God had said. Listen in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Indeed, has God said. In other words, did God really say to you? That's what he was doing. He was questioning what God had said. Now, in the same way, he slithers into our worlds every day. And he says things like, did God really say to you? Now, Eve, at first she was very bold. She was confident in what God had said. She knew it and she boldly answers him back. Verse 2, she says, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. So Eve knew what God said. But what did verse 1 tell us? The serpent was more crafty, right? See, Satan doesn't back down just because we get a little bit of spiritual sassiness, you know, when we speak back to him. That just fires up his arrogance even more most of the time. Look at how he now changes his question to a bold, arrogant lie. Read verse 4 with me. He says, you surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes are going to be opened. And you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. See, Eve kept on in the conversation with him. And that was her undoing. She should have stepped away after she boldly told him what God said. But she kept listening to what he had to say. And that's where she went from being bold to easily shaken. See, verse 6 tells us, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and she ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Tonight, we don't have time to go into all that happened because of that decision. The wreckage of death that invaded our world, invaded our lives because of that choice. See, it's not just a death that affects us that one day our physical body is going to die. In that moment, every nook and cranny of this planet was now susceptible to death. 
Every nook and cranny of who you and I are was also susceptible to death. And we need to understand that. It is so foundational. We actually have a message on our iTunes uh, podcast called Spirit, Soul, and Body. And if you don't have a good understanding of that, I would really encourage you to listen to it. Because it's so important to understand that, to be able to understand other things in God's Word. Now this week when I was cleaning out my office a little bit, I found three hard copies of that. So if you would like one, I'll tell you can boldly come up here right now and get one, and that would be fine with me. And it, that's fine too if you don't. But if anybody would like it, you're more than welcome to have it. So because we're putting everything on iTunes now. So you can actually do that. Good. Yay. Glad. Glad to share those. Glad to share those with you. It's so, I love bold girls. So good for you to be bold. It's so important, ladies, that we understand the wreckage of death that comes from this choice. And last fall, as I was thinking about that wreckage once again, God took me back to that conversation that Eve and Satan had. And he said this to my heart. He said, my girls have got to learn how to be bold with the truth. And he showed me how Eve's answer and how our answer to Satan's crafty questions about his word to us should always be a bold, confident, yes, he did. He said. See, if I am really walking with my footsteps established in the truth day after day, when Satan or any of his minions come at me asking me questions that question the truth of what God has spoken to my life, I should not be shaken. I should be bold. Bold enough to tell him off and then end the conversation, right? And the more I meditated on that and observed this word from the Lord, the more it meant to me. So much so that I actually did my first Bible journaling entry in my Bible journal uh, with, this, with this passage from Genesis 3. Do you know what, what Bible journaling is? It's kind of become a new thing going on with, um, with Bible study. And it's really cool. I'm just kind of getting started in it. And I'm going to show you what I did. Um, it's not pretty, okay. I'm telling you. I, I am kind of artsy, but this is not really pretty. But it's divinely meaningful to me. Because what you do with Bible journaling is you meditate on a passage for a while. And then there's these Bibles that have extra margins and the pages are thicker and that kind of thing. It's not my Bible that I really study from. It's just for this journaling. But you meditate on a passage for a while. And God begins to give you an image in your heart, in your mind. Something that speaks the truth that he's speaking to your heart. And you give that image in your mind. You're already seeing it there. That's what I wrote in my Bible here. Now what it's saying is it's pointing to that question. And it's saying the answer to this question, did God really say should always be, yes, he did. I should know what he said. I should be able to tell anybody off if they're questioning the truth of my God. Because here's the thing. Satan will slither into our worlds every day and ask this question in lots of ways. You can see all around the outside, I started just thinking as I meditated on this passage, what are all the different ways that Satan frames this question in my life? Did God really say? Did God really mean? Did God really promise? Did God really command you? Did God really speak to you? Did he really intend for you? Did he really write? Did he really care? 
Does he really notice? Does God really lead you? Did God really? On and on these questions can go. The ways that the enemy shows up in our lives speaking this junk to us. And just like Eve needed not only to know what God said, but then be bold in it, we need to too. With every single word of truth that God has spoken to us. No matter how Satan frames the question, the question should not shake us. Our answer should always be, yes he did. He said. And then we boldly speak forth what God said because we know it and we believe it and we are established in it. That's what we have to do, ladies, over and over and over and over and over again. Because I can assure you, he will not back down. So we have to continue to be bold. When he questions us a second time or he spouts out a lie, we should already be boldly walking away from him. Boldly walking away from him. We're so confident in what God has said, we're not even going to give him the time of day to have a conversation with us about it. How dare he question the God of heaven in whose truth my feet are established. I'm going to bombastically tell him off and then be on my way, right? Yes, that's what I'm going to do. Is there anybody in the room who wants to be bold? I do. Is there anybody in the room who is tired of Satan coming to you and framing these things in your mind and questioning what God has said and then you're left shaking in your shoes and going, what just happened? Why am I like this? Why did I say this? Why did I do that? I'm supposed to be a girl who loves Jesus and walks in his truth. What happened to me? Why am I so shaken today? I'm tired of that. I want to be bold. I want to know how to say, yes, he did, and then say it, and then be done with it, and move on to the things that God designed in my life for me to do. If you're with me on that, let's let the Lord encourage us tonight with his word of how to grow in our boldness. It starts with knowing the truth. We have to know the truth, ladies, if we're going to be bold with it. It's very hard to be bold and confident about something that we really don't have a whole lot of knowledge about. We can try to be bold, but we'll usually fall flat on our face or at least, you know, stumble and look silly in front of people if we don't have the information right. I remember back in 2008, I actually went to Romania for the first time on a mission trip. And uh, it was a hard trip. It was a good trip, but it was a hard trip, and it was long. And I, honestly, I didn't really want to go in the first place, but um, God wanted me to go, and so I went. And so when it was time to come home, I was really excited. And um, there was another, I was there with a bunch of teenagers. I was one of the sponsors. And there was another um, sponsor named Holly. I don't know, she might be here tonight. But um, if she is, I'm going to tell a story on her. But it's really on me, actually. But um, we were on the plane together, you know, coming home. We were both super excited that we were finally going home. And so um, we're on the plane. It's a really big plane. We're, we're flying in home. It's a long flight. And I looked down, and Holly had gotten up to go to the bathroom. And you know how women are. I mean, I'll go to the bathroom at, you know, I can go to the bathroom anytime. Um, but anyway, if we see one of our friends go to the bathroom, what do we do? We go to the bathroom. That's just what women do. So I saw her get up to go to the bathroom. So I decided, I think I'll go to the bathroom too. So I walked back to the back of the plane. And the little door, you know, it has a little sign on it. And it said, occupied. So I thought, oh, Holly's in there. So I'm just standing there waiting, you know. And um, all of a sudden, I don't know what came over me because I am not like a bold, like prankster kind of girl at all. 
uh, that's not my personality. I think I was just so excited to be going home that something came over me and I thought, I'm going to hold the door so Holly can't get out. And that will be really funny. So I heard the toilet flush and the water start running and I grabbed the door. And it starts shaking, you know, and I'm just laughing because I'm thinking she is freaking out in there. And all of a sudden something caught my eye. And I turned and Holly's coming out of the door. And I, I threw up my hands and the door flies open and this woman is looking at me like, what is wrong with you? I didn't have words. And Holly's looking at me like, what is wrong with you? You're not like that. And I'm thinking, there's only one bathroom on this plane. She had gone to the bathroom over there. I had never been on a plane that big where they had two sides of the plane had a bathroom. I thought, I believed that Holly was in there, but that was not the truth. And I fell on my face in that moment for sure. You know, all throughout history, man has struggled with really knowing God's word. We know parts of it, but we get confused a lot. You know, at one point in history, they actually lost the written word of God. And later, one of the kings was like just exasperated that they didn't know where the word of God was. And it was literally like buried in a closet somewhere. Now, I don't think that we would take our Bibles and just bury them in a closet somewhere. But how often do they get buried under so much stuff in our lives, so much words of man really gets piled on top of the word of God. We need to ask ourselves, am I really treasuring the word of God that I know it deep within me? Earlier tonight, our group two girls that was in that video, all the different pieces of it, they were quoting and, and, and they quoted uh, from one of the verses in Psalm 119 that says, thy word I have treasured in my heart that I will not sin against you. When you treasure something, it matters a great deal to you. You take it in as much as you can. You know, many times as women, we want a, a pick-me-up verse or we have a life verse and, you know, all that's good. We need to cling to certain verses of Scripture. I do that. But we really need to know the whole counsel of God's Word. We need to know what God's Word says all over God's Word. We need to be very familiar with how this book is put together and the timeline of it. Because, see, it's like learning a language. We've got to be able to converse with God in that way. We've got to treasure all of it. I personally wasted so many years of my Christian life not treasuring the whole counsel of God's word. I knew little pieces of it, but I didn't know it as a whole. And there's still so much that I need to learn. But you know, as I have traveled and just done a lot of work over the last 10 years, just across denominational lines, even though I hate to say this, you know, I wasted a lot of years, but I really see the body of Christ doing that. Wasting so much time studying and thinking about and talking about the words of man. When we are holding the word of God in our hands. We are a people that is, we have got so much information flying at us all day long. And we'll spend so much time taking that information in. Getting so familiar with the intricate details of whatever our interest is. 
Sometimes we, we will amass massive student debt loans trying to learn about something. We buy book after book and, and we have book clubs and, and we even have small groups a lot of times where the word of God never even gets opened. God's word is a treasure, ladies. That was my story for so long. I did not have a fervency for knowing the word of the Lord. I became a Christian when I was eight years old. That's when I gave my life to Jesus. I grew up in church. I went to church camp. I went to Sunday school. I went to VBS. I went to youth group. I went to Bible college. I was married to the preacher. I was so busy in all of that stuff. But I was miserable. And at 29 years old, I realized I don't really know God and I do not know his word. And I certainly do not love his word. You know what? It was then, and that was 21 years ago, that God began to open up my eyes to the wonders of this word. It was a work that he did in my life only by his mercy. He showed me this is not a book. This is the living, active word of God. It is the God of heaven speaking into my little life and your little life. And there are depths to be explored. And he can take the same thing that he has talked to you about over and over again and break it open in a whole new way if you'll just give him time to talk to you about it. This is the language that God speaks. If I don't know his language, I can't talk to him. I can't really hear from him. It's like going to Mexico and you say, where's the bathroom and what's your name? And that's about all you know. You've got to have more than that. To be able to really have a conversation with God, you've got to know his word. Because that is the language that he speaks. That's the language that he speaks. If I can't converse with him, how can I ever expect to be bold in his word? No wonder the enemy left me shaking in my shoes so many times. When's the last time you tried to stand up to one of Satan's lies with a quote from Oprah? Or your, last self, your latest self-help book? It's always going to be an epic fail. Because the words of man do not work in spiritual battles. It's like a Nerf gun against a semi-automatic rifle. And you're going to get killed. You're going to experience the death that happened in Genesis 3. We have to know the word of the Lord before we can be bold with it. Throughout Psalm 119, all over Psalm 119, David is crying out to know the word of the Lord. Let me just tell you some places. Verse 12, teach me thy statutes. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts. 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. 34, give me understanding that I may observe thy law. 73, give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. 108, teach me your ordinances. 169, give me understanding according to your word. Do you see his desire inside of him to be taught? And this list doesn't even mention all the times he's like, I'm going to commit your, your word to memory. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to treasure it. I'm going to observe it and consider it. Knowing the word of God takes a lot of effort, a lot of learning. If we want to be bold, then we got to put the time in, in it to do it. When you hear the women this week quoting Psalm 119, most of them necessarily aren't you know, huge memorizers of scripture. Maybe some of them are, but a lot of them, this was a new thing for them. But they jumped in and they said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to memorize the word of God. I'm going to know it, you know. Let me say this. If you don't know where to start, and I know a lot of you do, 
But if you don't know where to start, you can pray one of those same prayers from Psalm 119. Give me understanding, God, that I might learn your word. Because the very last verse of that chapter talks about how we all go astray. We've all got to be crying out for that understanding. And all you do then is you open up your Bible and just start. And you can know that our ministry exists to help you. To help you study and learn the statutes of the Lord. We'll learn with you because we're learning too. I love what it says in verse 129 and 130. It says, thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore my soul observes them. The unfolding, the opening of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Simple meaning, I don't know very much. All you got to do is open it up and God will begin to speak. One of my favorite little girls, she's four years old. Her name is Sienna. And the other day, uh, her mom was sitting in her office and Sienna was actually sitting on the toilet. And um, she heard Sienna talking. And Sienna said, Jesus? And then she said, yes. And then she said, Jesus? And she said, yes. Jesus? Yes. And her mom looked around the corner and she looked up at her and she said, I'm pretending to be Jesus. And I loved that because that's the heart of a child. They want to know God's voice so bad. They'll say, they'll make it up. <laughs> oh, that we might have a heart to hear from God. We don't want to make up what he says, though, right? We want to get in the word and see what he says. We need to know God's word. But to be bold with it, it takes more than knowledge. It actually takes belief. We need to believe that God means what he says. I want us to look in Psalm 119 at an example of David when he had to press in to believe that God meant what he said. In verse 51, he says, the arrogant utterly deride me, yet I do not turn aside from thy law. See, in this moment for David, there are people who are deriding him, probably agents of Satan, maybe saying things like, did God really anoint you to be the king? Does God really even care about you? Same kind of questions he was asking in the beginning. Same kind of questions he asked of you and I. And David, we don't know exactly what was going on in this moment, but we know his life story if we study God's word. And he had some really challenging things going on. But I love what he says here. He says, yet I do not turn aside from thy law. Keep reading. He says in verse 52, I have remembered thine ordinances from of old, O Lord, and I comfort myself. See, what David is doing is remembering the ordinances of old, what God has already said. An ordinance is like a judgment. It's a verdict. It's like God saying, this is the way that it is. And David was familiar with things that God had already said. So yes, in this moment, he felt utterly derided because these questions, this, these, these words were coming at him, maybe literally being said by somebody or just, you know how that stuff comes in our minds sometimes and just beats us down. I mean, I know I'm not the only one that deals with those kinds of, of things. And so who knows what that was. But what he's saying is, okay, I'm hearing all of that, but I'm going to comfort myself. I don't have a word from God right now in this moment, so I'm going to go back to what you've already told me, the judgments you've already spoken over my life, and I'm going to remember them. 
see, God had already anointed David the king. He had already given that ordinance. God had already declared to him, you are a victorious boy. You have conquered lions. You have conquered bears. You have conquered a giant named Goliath. So when the arrogant question started, did God really pick you? Did God really intend for somebody like you to be the king? David could say, yes, he did. Yes, he did. He said I'm the king. He could have chosen any one of my brothers, but he chose me. Yes, he did. Did you see how I conquered that bear? Did you see how I conquered Goliath when all my brothers were shaken in their shoes and all the, all the men who should have been out there fighting, nobody would go, but I did. And look what God did. God declared me victorious. I love how we get a window into David's world right here to see what he does to remain unshaken in those moments when the questions start flying. Whatever David was going through, it was really hard, but it still doesn't move him. His feet are established. Read verses 53 with me. Burning indignation has seized me because of the wicked who forsake thy law. Have you ever had burning indignation? Like that's when there's so much anxiety or hurt or pain going on inside of you. It's like it burns on the inside of you. And he says that's what's going on. So that tells us how intense this was. He says, oh, Lord, I remember your, your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. So he's saying, okay, that's what's going on, but I'm going to sing to you, Lord. I'm going to sing of your word. And then he says, oh, Lord, I remember your name in the night. So this tells us whatever's going on in his life, it's waking him up in the night. It's so bad. It's that hard. Ever have things wake you up in the middle of the night that are so burdensome to your heart? He says, but I remember your name in the night, and I keep your law. I love what he says here in verse 56. I want this to be me. He says, this has become mine that I observe your precepts. In other words, yes, all this is happening, but this is who I'm going to be. I will be somebody who observes your precepts. Ladies, that's a bold statement to make. Because life can come at us really, really hard, right? But we say, this has become mine. I am a woman whose footsteps are established in truth. I will observe your precepts no matter what has gone on in my life. Can we say that? Can we say that about ourselves? You know, I know in my own life, one of the ways that Satan comes at me or that I struggle with some of the things that God has said to me, like questions like, did God really, is in regard to who I am. In other words, he often comes at me questioning my worth, questioning my value. Without going into all the reasons why, I will tell you that I struggle a lot of times with, with insecurity. I wish I wasn't like that. And God's setting me free little by little, but I do. And you might find that hard to believe because you see me up here and, and it looks like maybe I'm not. But, you know, I struggle in that way. And in those insecurities, I've had to learn how to personally be bold with the truth. To know how to practice it and believe in it. In those places of insecurity, when, when Satan sees me struggling and then he comes in with a temptation to get me into sin, I've got to learn how to tell him no. Get away from me. See, it's important for us to be bold with the truth to culture. Like, it's very important that we stand up in our world against things that are against God's word. We need to speak for truth in our culture. I'm all about that. But I will tell you, I am so convinced that it is much more important that we learn how to stand up for the truth 
personally in our own lives. To know how to tell Satan off, but also to preach truth to ourselves. To comfort ourselves with the truth. It's so important. See, many of the big issues in this world, and we've got some big issues, don't we? Many of the big issues in this world would all be righted if we would learn how to individually walk in truth. I don't want to be somebody putting all this bold stuff on Facebook about Jesus and about how he sets people free and then I'm shaking in my shoes every time Satan starts asking me questions that bother me. Because I don't, that's not, that's not a, a, a person who's, who's united in heart. One of the things that David says, I hate those who are double-minded. I don't want to be double-minded. I want to be able to live in boldness in my personal life, in the steps that nobody else sees but me and God. I've got to be bold there before I'm going to be bold on the outside. It's so important for us to do that. A woman whose footsteps are established in truth will be bold on both the outside and the inside. See, when Satan and his arrogant workers slither into my thoughts and begin to deride me, saying things like, did God really call you? to do this? Why would he pick somebody like you? Or did God really care when that happened? Or did God really mean that commandment? I mean, come on, Sharon. I should stand up with firm boldness in the truth and say, yes, he did call me to do this and go back to the verse in Isaiah that he used to call me into ministry. I should say, yes, he does care about me and I should tell him he created me in his image. He knows all the hairs on my head. He thinks about me more than the grains of sand on the seashore. He has called me with an everlasting love. And yes, he does command that I walk in holiness. He says to be holy like he is holy. See, I remember what I know God's word says, and then I practice that belief and preach that truth to myself and anyone else who tries to shake me from it. I want to invite Vanessa to come up right now because she's going to share a testimony about doing that in her own life as well. Well, hello again. I was honored when, thank you. Um, when Sharon asked me if I would just share for a couple of minutes about a time in my life where I had to get bold with truth, I didn't have to pray about it or think about it very long. I started laughing, didn't I, Sharon? Because I knew exactly. Um, about seven years ago, almost to the day here in July of 2009, our family found out that our home, which we had lived in, new construction for 20 months, had been built with Chinese drywall imported from China. And it was toxic, and it was ruining everything in our home, and they had no idea what it would mean for our family's health. And we had started to experience some health things. And so I found myself seven years ago today um, feeling like um, my whole world was turned upside down. Coming home from a town hall meeting and realizing that our home had no value, all of our equity was lost. We now had, the, we had to get on the phone with the Center for Disease Control and the EPA and figure out what tests needed to be ordered for my three children and my husband and myself. And our finances were, what began, it was really a seven-year journey of financial crisis for our family. And I, at the time, felt like everything had changed. And I'll tell you what, there, it's, I'm a Jesus girl. I believe like I'm one of his favorites. I hope you believe that about yourself. I know God's word. I've been privileged to be raised and have the opportunity to choose Jesus at a young age and to know his faithfulness and to know his goodness. And then I found myself standing there, and there was a great chasm 
between my reality and all the promises of truth in God's word. And I'll tell you what, I began to have some very long, hard days. When you're sitting in a hospital, when your children's heart is hooked up to monitors and they don't even know what to run for and what to look for. When the step of faith that you came to Newport News to, to lead and serve a church and you thought you knew, you understood the risk that God was asking you and then all of a sudden your whole financial future is in jeopardy and you're really not sure where is going to happen. There were so many questions. And so that's where I found myself. And, and so as we moved into this small little apartment and we were paying a mortgage on a home we couldn't live in and paying HOA fees on a home we couldn't live in and, and trying to pay um, for this apartment and, and figure out what needed to be happened. And we were part of a, a lawsuit that went on for years and, and God's grace was in it. But I found myself slipping into a dangerous place inside. And I began to say and began to know in those very first few weeks when I felt like I was like this in life, I began to say, am I going to be bold with truth? Am I going to plant myself in a place that's solid? Because really, even though it felt like nothing had changed, or everything had changed rather, in reality, nothing had changed. God had not stepped off his throne. I didn't see it in the landscape of my life. And God began to show me, Vanessa, nothing's changed. It's changed for what you see, but I see things very differently. And so I began to have to roll up my spiritual sleeves in a way that I never had to before. And I just about lost my salvation in that six months living in that three-bedroom apartment. I'm just saying, girls, there's nothing spiritual about me. I homeschool my kids. All three shared a room. My husband officed from home. The guy upstairs had a mucus problem. He urinated at the same time I did in the night. I had to listen to it. It was awful. Like, when God touches your finances and your children and, and, and everything that you can see, right, it's real. And so I began to put sticky notes. This is what Jesus girls do. It's real spiritual. It's sticky notes on your steering wheel. It's reminders on your phone, right? And it's, it's talking to yourself in the car, right? So you don't lose your sanity. And here's some of the things that I did. When my perspective was getting crazy, I would say to myself, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, Vanessa, do not lose heart. Though outwardly you are wasting away, yet inwardly you are being renewed day by day. For your light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Here we go. So, Vanessa, today, tomorrow, the next hour, the next moment, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since this is temporary, but what you see is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. When my thoughts would get sideways, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I love this one. I just am going to personalize it like I had it on my steering wheel and on my phone and in my bedroom and on my mirror. It says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies and tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Vanessa, what you see is a barrier erected against the truth of God. I love this. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse. Does that describe you? Because that describes me on many days, right? A bunch of loose thoughts, emotions, and impulses. Fitting those into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. When my thoughts would get drowning in, in negativity. Psalms 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Why am I not forgetting you, God? Because this looks like hell. Oh, you, you heal me from diseases, right? You redeem my life from the pit. You crown me with love and compassion. You satisfy me, my desires, with good things. Things, and your youth is renewed like the eagles. They don't sell that in a jar, girls. 
Jesus gives that to us, right? So I could go on and on, but I just experienced in such a fresh way the ability to take God's word and begin to war and begin to make a decision, even though what I can see is not lining up. There's this huge discrepancy between my reality and the promises of God's word. I know that the promises are true, so I'm not going to plant myself in this place that is temporary. I'm going to plant my feet on what is true and what is solid and what is unchanging. And I can tell you, it wasn't six days. I'd love to say a prayer and it was over. It was years and years, hour by hour, day by day. And I got stronger and stronger and I've learned a new place of boldness. And so I just want to encourage you wherever you find yourself tonight, whatever part of your life, you read God's word and you're like, does that apply to me? Because this reality doesn't line up with that. God is on the throne. And his, his, what, what he has in store for you is eternal. So don't dwell on what's temporary. Begin to learn, as Sharon's encouraging us, to know truth and plant your feet in truth. It's not a weird denial of what's happening. It's, it's a planting of our life in something that is, is life-changing. And through that, I believe that's how we bring Jesus to our world. Amen? And now I'm just learning it in other areas of my life. So thank you, Sharon. Awesome. Wow. Love this woman. Love her. Love her story. And she has lots of stories she could tell you about that. She's somebody who walks in the truth. But that was a really hard situation in her life. And we all have these things, ladies, right? But we should have a testimony to be able to share of this is what's going on, but this is how I've walked in the truth. This is what I've been bold enough to believe God for. And he has been faithful to me, like we've sung about even tonight. See, Satan comes at all of us. We all have stories. And any of us could be shaken in fear and veer into sin. But if we know the truth and we practice that belief in the truth, we can really grow up in this boldness. You know, for some of us here tonight, you are bold women of faith. I'm privileged to get to walk alongside many of you. And so I hope that even this word that God has for us tonight is just spurring you on to go, yeah, I'm going to be bold. Yeah, I need to be bold. But for some of us tonight, this is like, whoa. Wow. I never thought about it like that. And this is like looking in a mirror and seeing, I'm not very bold. I'm pretty timid, really. Like, all he has to do is speak and I'm falling over because my feet are shaking so bad. You know what? If that's you, don't be discouraged. When God calls us up, when he corrects us, it's out of love. Because he has something good for us. Something better for us. As we begin to draw these thoughts to a close tonight, I think God wants to encourage us from wherever we're at. Because we're all in different places in this boldness journey. Wherever you're at in this journey, I think he wants to encourage us from another section from Psalm 119. Let's listen as it's quoted for us. Verses 25 through 32. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I have told of my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts. So I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your ordinances before me. 
I cling to your testimony. O oh Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Such a great section. We're going to look at this for just a minute, just to let the Lord encourage us. It starts off in verse 25. My soul cleaves to the dust. Do you ever feel like that? Like your life is just like clinging to things that don't really matter, dust that could just blow away. Some of us might feel like that even tonight. David realized at one point that was his life just cleaving to the dust. So he cried out to God and he said, revive me according to your word. Ladies, in and of ourselves, we all settle for the dust sometimes. When it's the divine words of life that we really need. Nothing else will revive you. Things can pick you up, make you feel better for a moment, but nothing will revive you like the word of God. David goes on to say in verse 26, I have told of my ways and you answered me. Teach me thy statutes. In other words, he's saying, I told you what I was like, God, and you said, you need to know my word. And for some of us tonight, maybe even we're hearing that. In the next few verses of this section, David is crying out to the Lord to change him. I did that for a lot of years. Lord, I don't want to be somebody who disregards your word. And I love it when he gets to verse 31. What does he say? He says, I cleave to thy testimonies. I cleave to thy testimonies. See, at the beginning, what did he say in verse 25? I cleave to the dust. And now what is he saying? I cleave to thy testimonies. See, he's no longer cleaving to the dust. He's cleaving to the words of the Lord. And that should encourage us, ladies, because when we cry out to God, he really can change us. He really can. Verse 32 is my favorite, though. It says, I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Why is that my favorite? Well, because really I have a story with this whole section of Scripture. See, this, this was me. This was me. I was not bold with the truth. I was cleaving to the dust. I didn't know the word of the Lord. I was a church-going girl. But I really, my life, my steps were all about this world. And when I saw myself in that way, I knew I needed something greater, more than dust. And I had many crying out sessions to the Lord, just like David. And God kept looking at me and saying, Sharon, you need to know my word. You need to know my word. And in all of that, one of the things that he said to me was, my heart was too small to contain the things that he wanted to do inside of it. And maybe tonight some of us feel like that tonight. Like we hear these stories about people being bold with their faith and we're like, that's really good for you, but I just don't think I could ever do that. You know, I'm just a, you know, I go to church and, and, and but my heart's too small. Or maybe you feel condemned in that even, like you've missed it somehow. Like you just don't measure up to this boldness thing. Can I just encourage you, do what David did. Cry out to the Lord and make a commitment. I'm going to run the way of your commandments. Now what that means is you're going to be all in. You're going to use sticky notes, putting them on your, on your steering wheel and in your bathroom and saying one thing over here but thinking, no, 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 it's like this. You're, you're going to preach truth to yourself. Even if you're waking up in the night with it. See, when you run, it takes everything you have. I know that from experience too. It's not walking. It's not strolling. It's not riding a bike. It's running. And running takes everything that you have. This doesn't say, I'm going to go to church once a week and you're going to enlarge my heart. 
It doesn't even say, I'm going to go to Bible study and church and Wednesday night stuff, whatever your church does. And you're going to enlarge my heart. It doesn't say that. It says, I'm going to run. That means every step that you take, you're going to be all in, focused on the commandments, the word of God. And God will do something, ladies, on the inside of our hearts. It's this thing that he does. He changes it. He broadens that heart out to contain the big things that he wants to put in it instead of the dust we pile into our hearts. And let me let you in on our secret. The girls that have the big hearts... Those are the girls who are the most bold of all. The most bold. Do you want to be a bold girl whose footsteps are established in the truth? Then tonight make a declaration over your life. This has become mine that I observe your precepts. This has become mine that I am a girl who runs towards your commandments. This has become mine. I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm all in. There's so many ways that we can run towards his commandments. They're all over Psalm 119. We can observe them, meditate on them, treasure them, keep them, ponder them, delight in them, study them, hold them in our hand, diligently consider, love, cling, goes on and on. And God's way more creative than even what's right in here. Earlier I mentioned one of the ways in this journaling Bible that the Lord has given me this year to run toward his commandments, to keep my eyes and my thoughts on what he says. And a lot of people have seen its benefit. It's called a lot of different things. I call it illuminated Bible journaling because it's time with God. It's not just coloring pictures in your Bible. Anybody can do that. It's time with God where he illumines your mind. And then you record it so you don't forget it. You make a memorial of that. Some people have journaling Bibles like this, but not everybody has one of those, and, and that's okay. You know what some people do? They take one of those clear pieces of paper like we gave you tonight. It's called a piece of vellum. You can even use parchment paper. And you draw it on that, and then you can put it over top. See, it's right here in Genesis where I was reading from earlier tonight. And you put it in there with washi tape because it won't peel off the things. That's right here. I put it right over top of that conversation that Satan had with Eve because it represents conversations that he tries to have with me. And when I see that in my Bible, I want to remember what my answer should be. I should always have that answer. Yes, he did. He told me what to say, and I will stand in that. As we enter into a time of prayer tonight, we want to ask you to consider making a decision. You're going to be bold. And we're going to use this even to do some of that, all right? We want you to make a decision that you're going to do all you can. You're going to be all in to know the word of God and to believe it. So when the enemy shows up, you do have an answer. So if that's a decision that you want to make, I want you to ask you to take that vellum sheet that you have, open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, lay that piece of paper right there, and then close it. And you're making that thing, you're saying, that has become mine. This is the way that I'm going to do that. Now later tonight, before we leave, the girls are going to tell you something else that we want you to do with that paper. But for right now, let that be enough. If you want to be bold, if you want to have an answer of truth, that you're making a decision, you're going to be all in. But secondly, let's get a little bit more specific too. You know, Vanessa and I both shared places, testimonies of areas where we've had to grow in our boldness of knowing and believing what God has said. Well, what about you? What about you specifically? Is there an area in your life that God is putting his finger on and saying, you need to be more bold to believe that I love you. You need to know what I said. 
You don't need to be sitting there feeling all horrible about yourself. Do you know the value that I have given you? You need to know that and be able to tell anybody off that tells you that you have no worth and value, especially yourself. Maybe God's putting his finger on your fear. And he's saying, you need to be bold and stop shaking in your shoes every time the enemy paints these scenarios of things that might happen to you or your kids or, or your husband or your house or whatever. You know what? He can try to take it all away, but you can still be bold and you can be blessed. And God can do amazing things, things way beyond what you can ask, imagine, or think. God might be speaking to you about that. God might be speaking to you about any number of things. So much stuff goes on in our lives, right? But we need to be bold in every area because God has spoken words for every step that I take. We have women right here up front. They're going to come. They would love to pray for you tonight. They love to pray. They have the gift of prayer. And they love to pray. And if, they want, if you want someone to pray for you, I would say, you know what? Be the first one to come. Sometimes that will rally everybody else. And remember, you got women on both sides of you and behind you and in front of you who are waiting on you to rally them. If God's speaking to you about something, let one of these women pray for you. Or maybe you just want to come and pray by yourself. You know, the, the Word of God tells us we are to come boldly before the throne of grace. This can be the throne of grace. Come and let God deal with that in your hearts tonight. These are not just emotional times where we're trying to rally everybody up in emotion. Ladies, we're making decisions in this moment. We're saying this has become mine. I will be a woman who observes your precepts. I'm going to be a bold girl. I'm going to be bombastic in knowing and believing God's word for me. So as Katie and her team sing, be bold. Make decisions. Come and pray. God is good. He's good.